0: Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges, and opportunities across healthcare
1: and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Ed Marks here with Digital Voices. Thank you for listening to another episode. We are commercial free, advertising free, gives us a lot of freedom. Have great guests as a result. And today is no different with Dr. Stephen Beck. He is the CMIO, Bond Secures Mercy Health for Business Partners. Welcome, Stephen. I'm so happy to join you here today, Ed. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have you. I know we reconnected. We had known each other a while ago. And then I showed up at, the, I think it was the Central Southern Ohio Hymns one time uh, in 2022. And uh we're like, hey, you know, it's like uh catching up like the old days. So I was like, oh man, we have so much to catch up on, and we should have you on digital voices. So th- again, thank you for being our guest. My pleasure. So, you know, you're a pioneer. We'll, and we'll get into that in terms of the physician executive in digital, in technology, you know, CMIO type stuff. Uh, but you're also a sort of healthcare futurist, informatics leader, uh, digital health, patient engagement, patient experience clinical decision support. So we got a lot of stuff that we can uh, jump into. Um, But that was how we, uh, you know, I I don't remember the exact time we first met, but certainly got reacquainted uh, in 2022. And Stephen, as you know, because you've listened before, the first song we ask is, uh, what's on your playlist? Or the first question we ask is, what's on your playlist?
0: Well, I think like many people, it depends on the mood, right? But consistently, you'd see uh, the Doobie Brothers, Eagles, Tom Petty, and uh, you know those times where you got to get the blood pumping—some classic rock, Van Halen, maybe even uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers.
1: Yeah, you know um, Kansas is coming back through, so they're on their fiftieth anniversary tour. Yes, <laughs> but that's like that's classic. That fits right up there with the Doobie Brothers and Tom Petty and stuff. That's right. That's they're they're uh, a good band. So. Is there a quote or a life message mantra, something that you sort of live your life by?
0: You know, I have two things. And the first and the foremost is family first. So when I got to the point of having a family, everything I started to do really was focused on my family. And you know, I tell I tell my kids, or I used to tell my kids quite often. You know, everything I do is for you. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: someday I think they'll acknowledge that, uh, but uh, it's still a very important part of of what I do every day. Yeah. In the way that I think, um, and then there's another part that's really important to me as well, and that's being a physician. And uh, primum non nocere. I mean, first do no harm. Mm. And uh, you know, there's a a, a great Opportunity of providers who are always doing what they think is right, uh, but we always need to step back and say, "Should I?" Right. So, so I think that's another aspect that I've started to live by since I've been a physician, and and really, uh, in healthcare, we need to oftentimes take a step back and think about what we're doing, uh, even. With the best intentions.
1: Yeah, th- those are good words for sure to live by. Stephen, tell us a little bit about your story. Obviously, we know you have a family and you're a physician, but you know, start back as far as you want to go and tell us a, bit, a little bit about uh, what's happened to become who you are today.
0: Yeah, I, boy, that's a long and convoluted <laughs> story. But you know, I started in primary care and and loved what I did, and and realized uh, with the timing of uh, electronic records coming out that I really wanted to be involved in it. So, uh, over the years started getting more and more involved and was involved, uh, in one of the very first, uh, fully integrated electronic records in my part of the state of Ohio, um, back in 2000. So, wow, yeah. Uh, so it's been a long time, uh, and, and that work just continued to progress. And I started to take on some leadership roles, uh, and, uh, and did some consulting along the way. And it's gotten to, to where I am today, uh, where uh, my passion in improving healthcare and uh, healthcare delivery is really relative to all that I do every day.
1: That's great. Yeah, and you so you managed, um, like when you were in med school, were you already married and had kids, or did, did that happen a little bit later?
0: Uh, actually, um, I got married right between medical school and residency. Okay. So uh, a very short period of time uh, to start, uh, you know, thinking about a family and and, and moving from there.
1: Yeah, because the, the mantra of family first, it, it's uh, it can be difficult at times, you know, in a lot of different pr- professions, certainly uh, being a clinician and working in digital technologies as well. Uh, it's kind of a double whammy. So g- good for you for for making that uh, one of your objectives. So tell us a little bit about your current role and uh, Bon Secours Mercy Health. Like uh, wh- what's your focus as a longtime CMIO?
0: Sure. Uh, my current focus really is on uh, relationship and service that Bon Secours Mercy Health offers our business partners. And those actually are the health systems and providers that we share our electronic record with. Uh, so that includes a lot of different aspects, uh, change management, clinical prioritization, optimization, uh, and escalations when and where they're necessary. Um, but, of course, I can't do all of that without uh, deep integration with our core teams, our electronic record teams, our informatic teams uh, throughout uh, the Bunk Mercy Health Enterprise. So uh, it's been... Uh, been a lot of fun getting back into the health system. Uh, I was previously with the health system uh, about six years or so ago and and had been in, in there for many years. So it was uh, getting reacquainted roughly about 18 months ago and and starting the work over again.
1: Yeah, that's very, uh, that's very cool. What are maybe one or two initiatives uh, that you're working on?
0: Yeah, there's a large focus right now on Uh, instance consolidation across our Bon Secours Mercy Health enterprise. And uh, if you think about two different uh, health systems coming together, that is the Bon Secours and the Mercy Health, uh, for quite a period of time, uh, we've been existing with two different instances of the same electronic record. So merging those into one is really part of an important movement that's going on right now. And hopefully we'll finish up uh, before the early summer this year. But uh, the core notion really here is standardization and standardization of best practices whenever possible. And so really that, uh, that uh, goal helps achieve really what we're trying to do. Um, So it's not simply just a cost saving measure, but rather uh, a, a goal of standardization too.
1: Yeah, no, those, those are some uh, pretty heavy uh, objectives and things that you're working on. Uh, those are tough to do, and uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll pull it off, and you got a great team. Uh, but yeah, th- those are really important things to do, because a lot of times, yeah, there's all sorts of M&A activity happening, and th- then it, when it gets, after the papers are signed, it gets to the tough stuff, and a lot of times, they're so hard, they're never done, you know? And then you, you lose the you know, the, some of the overall goals for having, uh, merged. So, uh, but it sounds like you, I'm sure you've got it. If anyone can do it, pull it off. It'll be you and, uh, Bon Secure's, uh, Mercy Health for sure. Do you think that, uh, you compete these days with non-traditional providers? So like back in 2000, you know, when you and I were just starting off, um, you know, it was just, we were competing with maybe there's another health system in town. Uh, but do you see, yourselves as competing with other uh, non-hospital systems?
0: Uh, That's uh, a great concept that oftentimes we forget about. So um, historically, I remember when pharmacies in our state were given the rights to start giving, administering routine immunizations. And I saw that as a threat, Uh, not just a threat uh, to the way that I practice, but a threat to uh, care delivery and patients. Uh, and I'll say that I was biased in my view and that what I was doing was really observing my view yeah. and not the patient view. And so I've changed that concept now to really start thinking uh, from the aspect of the patient. And yes, while uh, I want my patients to come and see me and get all their care with me, I know that's not always possible. Yeah. So what I'm seeing these days is, Yes, uh, there are other businesses. Pharmacy is a great example. You know, the large pharmacy chains are now starting their own uh, brick-and-mortar healthcare delivery, uh, and yes, it is a threat and it's non-traditional. Um, but I think the key is making healthcare easy for the patients. Yeah. And so, if we can step back as a health system and say, "All right, it is competition. We realize that," but Um, If Amazon starts getting into the business of medication refills, as they are, I should be confident that my health system is going to do great because we do electronic refills. We mail uh, prescriptions to the patient's house. We make it easy for the patient to to get all of that completed in the way that they want to get it completed. So over and over again, our focus needs to continue as being the patient and having the the role of the patient being first and foremost, keeping them engaged in their own care and making it easy for them. And, and really, that's what creates the stickiness of patients, um, despite these distractions yeah. uh, of other competitors uh, that will continue to come.
1: Yeah. No, that that's a great way of looking at it and a great response uh, for a health system is, yeah, you know, it's going to happen. There's going to be these certain things. So you just continue to do what you do best, and you have that great relationship with the patient. You make it as convenient as possible uh, for them to continue that relationship, and you provide that entire service, not just a niche piece of that service. And I, I and think, yeah.
0: Ed, I might add one other yeah. thing. I, I might have a, a, a different opinion about traditional competitors too. But my view on that is that we as health systems need to share more often. So in other words, we can be fiercely competitive in competitive markets, yet highly passionate about improving patient care across the continuity, in other words, in our communities and our state. So if I can do something that helps improve the care of patients in my community, why wouldn't I want to share that with others, even health systems that might otherwise be deemed as traditional competitors? Yeah. I'd I'd like to see more sharing going on. Uh, I I think we do it a bit, but I think we have more opportunity to really raise the bar and and improve the care of all those in our communities.
1: Yeah, I'm encouraged by, you know, those words. And and I've seen it even north of, of where you are, you know, in Cleveland, where major organizations are now working much closer together. So it's kind of cooperative. You know, but it's doing the right thing for the community, right thing for the patient. And everyone can win um, in that scenario. So I love that. So we mentioned at the top, Stephen, that, that you've been sort of pioneer CMIO. You've been a CMIO for quite some time. Uh, like you talked about, you got involved with EMR back in 2000. And, you know, how have you seen the role shift or has it shifted uh, since 2000?
0: Yeah, in the early days, and, and as the role of CMI was first forming, of course, there was a heavy emphasis simply on moving physician to electronic tools. Uh, and of course, uh, as it came out from the federal government, meaningful use, which uh, everybody wanted the meaningful use dollars. And, and so, of, of course, those were clearly important at the time, but uh, the shift that's going on right now is the continued shift towards quality, outcomes, population health and then more recently patient engagement and and digital tools. So so those have been the major shifts, uh, notwithstanding the fact that we still need to support all of those aspects that the federal government throws on our laps that we don't have control over. Uh, But the hope is that those federal government demands over time will continue to diminish. And just as uh, some of the charting documentation requirements have changed uh, more recently, hopefully some of the other requirements will start to change too so that so that's really about delivering better more efficient care and and hopefully along the way we can do it with less clicks too
1: yeah now that yeah it has really um, been quite a remarkable evolution I think of the position to your point uh, and those are, are some great examples how that has uh, occurred what about advice for clinicians who may be practicing full-time today they see someone like you Stephen they're like hey I I kind of like what he gets to work on. Uh, how do I get involved? So other than applying directly for a CMIO job, you know, there might be some interim steps that someone could do just to gain some experience. What What would you suggest?
0: My first bit of advice is get a mentor. So, you know, talk to somebody that you trust. Um, and ideally, they can mentor you through the process, give you advice, help direct you to uh, to different areas. Um I always advised for anyone to start exploring the opportunities to more, learn more about your own EMR so you can check in with your vendor and see if there's some opportunities for advanced education or even uh, some type of certification for, as a builder, uh, uh, as an example. Uh, and then really starting to dive in more about informatics in general. So, you know, of course, HIMSS is a great place to start with that. And there's other resources yeah. as well. but. But I think it all comes back to making that personal connection with somebody you trust uh, and getting some, some good advice and maybe even uh, separately a coach to help you through that that uh, transition as well.
1: Yeah, there's uh, four, five, six uh, great ideas, uh, Stephen. Thank you that anyone can, can leverage. And even uh, for non-clinicians, uh, th- those are st- all still uh, very val- valuable uh, ideas. So thank you for that. Is there, you know, even though you're a tenured leader, what's the last thing that surprised you or caught you off guard? Like, oh, dang, you know, uh, where you had sort of a reaction, like you didn't expect something that you learned or what have you?
0: Well, I'm going to I'm going to use a personal experience that has to do with information and information technology. So, you know, the fantastic ability of, of Google Maps to always find the shortest route without traffic uh, but sometimes with a twist, and I think we've all experienced that form of decision support, because it is, right? Uh, and, you know, a, a map's taking you through a bad port of town or through some side streets. <laughs> and and uh, over the Christmas holiday, I was uh, out near Flagstaff, uh, an area that was completely foreign to me. And so I was really depending on Google to to help me with that technology. Um, and it, uh, it routed me as I was traveling between, between two remote scenic locations. it routed me on a forest service forestry service road uh, which uh, you know I, I knew what I was getting into but I wouldn't I didn't really know how far it was going to take me. And so as I started going along and driving along this road with volcanic ash and <laughs> washed out areas and, and uh, you know I finally reached an impasse a downed tree on the single lane uh-huh. road that I'd driven for miles and miles. And, and so then you make decisions, right? So so here's technology that you depend on and real life that that gets in the way. And uh, it was a great analogy for me. I, by the way, uh, <laughs> there was a family huddle and we said, hey, we can't move that tree. Is there another way around? Uh, and we, we got through. So that's the good news. Yeah. Uh, but but the uh, the lesson for me really is just like any technology, we know it's not perfect uh, and we have to be aware of that in our everyday lives uh, and we also have to be aware that there's always an opportunity to improve on it right? yeah And so I think all of those things fit uh, together as I was caught off guard with you know this uh, advanced <laughs> form of decision support. <laughs>
1: No, that's a good example. I, and I'm laughing too, because uh, I won't go into the details of it for the sake of time. And we want to hear more from you. But last year, we were using, uh, you know, a mapping software. And we were going from someplace in Romania to someplace in Bulgaria. And all of a sudden, we're at the Serbian border. Because uh, that was the oh, shortest no. <laughs> route. Uh, not an advised route, but it was the shortest route, kind of like in your scenario. That's pr- pretty funny. Let's let's shift a little bit into leadership. So was there a time where you first realized that you were a leader, because obviously, you know, you're a leader today, but, you know, was there a particular time that comes to mind where it's like, dang, uh, I guess I'm a leader.
0: Uh, that's, that's, that's great to think and, and reflect on. And, you know, I, uh, I was a scouter and a boy scout and, you know, I, I think the scouting program is fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, your goal of ultimately uh, becoming an Eagle Scout, which I did and was, uh, Really uh, honored to be an Eagle Scout, but there's actually mandated leadership requirements along the way and positions that you need to take on. Um, but it was the great opportunity to be in this supportive environment where you can learn, make honest mistakes, course correct, uh, and and yet not uh, not feel like you were uh, going out completely in a field by yourself. Yeah, and and so. You know, going through all of those phases uh, and taking on leadership roles through the scouting organization, it really helped me understand that, hey, I can do this. Uh, and by the way, if I have an idea, um, people might just want to hear it yeah. and it's okay to speak up. Uh, and, you know, I think all of those uh, important learnings are, besides being lifelong learnings, there are great opportunities for somebody, someone that's young uh, to really get into an organization that helps foster that leadership environment. And there's other programs for kids uh, yeah. that are similar as well.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great, um, great memory. I, I could as you're sharing the story, I, I could see it uh, playing out for you. Uh, what's the hardest decision that you ever had to make? Maybe it was in scouting or maybe it was more recently. But, was you know, when you reflect back on leadership, you know, was there like that one that sticks out?
0: Well, Ed, the hardest decision I've ever had to make is actually giving up full-time medical practice. Mm. <laughs> uh, and it was it was very tough. You know, I had this vision uh, of going into medical informatics and sometimes in some way, shape, or form, finding this perfect balance between being a, a, a great practicing doc and doing these other things. And eventually I had to make a decision um, – and as much as I love taking care of patients, and I still do, uh, I had to decide to give up the full-time practice to to approach this other passion. And you know, over time, uh, and you may have heard me say this before, I, I made the decision of you know caring for three thousand patients or having the impact on literally millions of patients yeah. in the work that I do every day. And uh, I don't regret it, uh, but it was a hard decision. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I could tell that. What What's the best advice you ever received? So obviously you give quite a bit of advice because you have all this tenure and experience. What's the best you've ever received? Uh,
0: you might find this slightly amusing, <laughs> but uh, many years ago, a motivational speaker I was listening to shared a quote that really had a big impact on me, and it was Yoda. <laughs> and Yoda says, do or do not, there is no try. Yeah, And... And for people that know me or have known me for a long time, uh, they might've even heard me say it once or twice, Mm -hmm. but, but I have that phrase sitting on my desk, uh, right in front of me now, in fact. (laughs) And, and I do reflect on that because what, what it really means to me is, uh, is you have to go in intentionally with what you do and you can't give up. Uh, and I think, that's that's the failure that we can't allow ourselves personally to take on.
1: I like that. That That's a good one. I, I can appreciate it. How do you stay current? So you're, again, you've got a pretty big job there and you're busy, you're still seeing patients, you have family. How do you take, stay current and keep your eye on the future so that you can continue to guide your organization?
0: Well, the good news with technology these days is there's tons of electronic news feeds that are available. And And so I use those uh, pretty strategically every day. So I've got several of them, medical, medical informatics, general news, innovations. I think those are all important. But I don't want to separate myself from the other piece, which is really catching up on a regular basis with leaders of other health systems, catching up with Ed Marks and getting his opinions, collaborating when we can, just like I was saying before, collaborating with your your partners and also collaborating with uh, those that might be considered competitors. So those, all of those things really help us, uh, work together to keep an eye on the future.
1: So you're keeping an eye on the future. You got family, you got practice, a lot of different things, scouting, right? I think you're, are you still involved with scouting?
0: Um, not as much as I used to, right. unfortunately, but,
1: uh, but I, yeah. but I knew you, you were even as an adult, right? And, and what about your kids? Did any of your kids continue with uh, scouting?
0: Yep. My, uh, my son, uh, was, uh, was able to complete his Eagle Scout as well. And, and, uh, and, uh, I had, uh, one of my daughters that went through and completed, um, a, a similar female scouting program and got their highest award as well. Uh, so it's, you know, we've been an outdoor family, which is great. Yeah. Uh, and I think, uh uh, you know, leveraging, uh, our experience of an ability to, to get away from things yeah. is, is always helpful.
1: Yeah. Cause that's where I was headed. I was going to ask you, you know, cause you're so busy doing a lot of different things, you know, how do you recharge your batteries and, you know, remain fresh as a leader?
0: Yeah. I, I love getting outside and, and better yet with a camera in hand. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed doing scenic photography, uh, over the years, my wife says, Oh, you should be selling those pictures. But you know, there's, there's some personal nature to it yeah. that, uh, that I really enjoy and capturing and sharing things with, with someone who might not otherwise be able to go to a place or see a thing that I've been able to see. Um, and, and really doing something completely different and unexpected is always fun. Uh, so I, I, I tend to be a planner, but as I've gotten older, I like to plan less and just do more.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's something about the spontaneity. And I, I kind of gone through the same thing. Maybe it's just like sort of this curve arc in your life where I was like super, super planning. And now, like sometimes on vacation, we just know the city that we're going to land and take out of. Uh, we rent a car and we just go. Um, and it's kind of fun uh, to be that way. Wow. Uh, Stephen. I, I know why we're so connected because, you know, and I didn't respond to everything that you say because... We are highlighting you and I want to get here as much as we can from you and less from me, but almost everything that you spoke about, I have some corollary, not exactly the same, you know, I'm not a physician, uh, but it's very similar in philosophy. And I know I think that's why we're probably connected the way we are. So we, we talked about a lot of stuff, you know, sort of life philosophy, your role at Bon Secure's Mercy Health, um, this evolve, evolving of the CMIO role, leadership advice for leaders or emerging leaders, hard stuff that you've had to go through, lessons that you've learned, how you stay fresh. What did we miss? Or is there anything we did talk about that you want to double down on? I'll leave you with the final word.
0: Well, there there is a lot to unpack. I think ultimately, um, if if I can leave a thought uh, in anyone that's listening in their mind, which is continue to be intellectually curious. Yeah. Uh, And the best way to do that is what I, I call, and it's, it's not my idea. Uh, I'm not sure where it originated, but the five whys ask those five whys. Why? And then ask the next why and the next why. So ask five whys, keep track of them. Uh, And that really continues your intellectual curiosity and helps you get to the bottom of what you might be interested in, or perhaps what's not going well. Uh, Because sometimes we stay superficial, and that's the biggest mistake we can make. There's something always under the water. Um, I didn't mention I'm a scuba diver as well, so (laughs) there's always something under there. Uh, And to be able to get down to the bottom uh, and really understand what's behind it Taking the time to be intellectually curious about that is what I'd like everybody to consider.
1: Yeah, that's well said. And so, but I have to ask you the question now. um, Do you do photography while scuba diving? Absolutely, I do. (laughs) Oh man, you got to show me pictures. So that's one thing you have not uh, shared with me previously. So next time I'm down in Ohio, I'm going to look you up and I I would love to see some of your your photography and the scenes uh, pictures that you've taken.
0: I've got lovely uh, items to share with you, and and uh, the splendid toadfish is is one that uh, is not to miss.
1: All right, I, I'm 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 keeping you uh, honest to this uh, to this agreement. So, hey, Stephen, thank you so much for for being our guest. I've been wanting you on Digital Voices for quite some time. I'm glad it finally worked out, and I, I wish you uh, continued success. Thanks again. Thank you, Ed. All right, that wraps up another edition of.